0: production. U.S. stocks surge as the unemployment rate jumps last month. And
1: Aussie shares expected to open higher on Monday with all prices lifting. I'm
0: Tom. And I'm Ryan. It's Monday the 5th of June. Welcome to the Comsec Market Update. It has been a very satisfying weekend because the tail of the markets stretched into into Sunday, really, we've been treated to a lot of news uh, and indeed uh, after we'd finished taking in our sporting fixtures on Friday evening we had the US jobs report to look at.
1: We had the jobs report, we had OPEC, it was an absolute smorgasbord. It was a badanza. It was and we did see very strong outcomes as far as employment growth was concerned in the United States in the month of May, 339,000 jobs were added above expectations or 195,000 Tom.
0: I must say, when I first, in that nanosecond, when I saw that jobs growth, I thought, oh my God, we're in for a a car crash. But that's the important thing about these statistics. There's a lot to unpick and you have to get under the bonnet to understand the, the bigger picture. So it was that tension between the increase in jobs growth and the moderation where wages growth was concerned and the jump in the unemployment rate, Ryan, that was really important.
1: Indeed, the unemployment rate lifted from a 53-year low of 3.4% in April to a seven-month high of 3.7% in May. Markets were expecting the unemployment rate to be 3.5%. We did see the participation rate steady at about 62.6%. But as you mentioned, Tom, it was wages. So one of the key contributors to inflation over the pandemic has been the lift in wages, there's been an insufficient supply of workers with borders closed and the like and obviously the recovering economy. And average hourly earnings rose by just 0.3% in May to about 4.3% on a year ago. So that was a bit of an easing, but what was particularly important, Tom, was the average work week decline by 0.1 hour to 34.3 in May. And what that suggests is that there is some cooling in that
0: labour market taking place. I suppose that's a good way of describing it, cooling off what is been an incandescent level of uh, improvement in the US labour market. So I, I suppose in the bigger picture, it's a ceasefire for a month. We, we need to get to the next month's statistics to see whether or not there's some form of a trend lining up here because uh, you can't look at it any other way than these numbers coming off a very um, strong base, I suppose.
1: Well, the labour market still remains robust, but with the moderating wage growth, importantly for investors, it can be said that the Fed is likely to skip its rate hikes That's the hope, in a couple That's of the weeks. So markets are pricing in a 70% chance. But importantly, we still have an inflation print before that meeting, so that could still impact overall pricing for interest rates in the United States.
0: So with regards to this, Dynamic of interest rate movements, inflation inputs. It's been a bit of a messy picture as far as the last uh, couple of days have been concerned because within all of this, of course, we've had the resolution of the debt ceiling issues. So the fact that safe havens haven't been as keenly sought after has been a factor pushing long and short-term interest rates higher. And then, of course, you know, um, given everything that we've just said with that improved wages situation in terms of the inflationary picture, you'd be asking, well, why did you see you know that, that move higher for short and long term interest rates? So it's a bit of a, a murky picture in there as far as the last couple of days have been concerned, Ryan.
1: Certainly a lot of
0: uncertainty in the bond
1: market at the moment, Tom, but what we did see on Friday was the S&P 500 up by one and a half percent, and it's extended the benchmark surge from its October low to nearly 20%, so we're on the verge of a bull market, Tom.
0: There are so many things that are colliding in terms of uh, what you would think is an intuitive response, given all of the uncertainty to see this sort of positive momentum within the broader market, because the techs, techs are already doing extremely well, but for the broader participation in this upswing for US stocks is, um, it's interesting.
1: Absolutely. And the gorge of mega caps like Tesla and Apple saw its six straight week of gain. So the NASDAQ was up by a whopping 140 points or 1.1%. That's the longest winning run since July 2021, Tom.
0: Yeah. So there have been a lot of uh, negatives that have had a cross put through them, I suppose, in terms of having been resolved for the moment. Do you think that's a reasonable way of rationalising it, Ryan?
1: The resolution of the debt ceiling, that's one
0: hurdle cleared, but the outlook
1: for inflation is less clear, and we're going to get the next read on that eventually. But we have seen the volatility index, Wall Street's fear gorge, it's now at its lowest level since February 2020 before lockdowns and the pandemic. Which,
0: again, it doesn't ring true, does it? Does it, no. it everything So I suppose this is the challenge that you have, you know, just to sort of go off uh, on a bit of a tangent. As a portfolio manager, you have to be so conscious of your filters in terms of, you know, becoming too bearish at any given time. Because otherwise you miss a rally like the one that we've seen over the course of the last little while.
1: Stock picking is all about that stock selection at the moment, picking those quality names. So really the Magnificent Seven, as they're called (laughs) now, those mega cap stocks, chip makers and like, the group has accounted for 90% of the large cap index's 10% gain in 2023. So really it it has been very skewed in one
0: direction. So Ryan, I had something of an epiphany. On the weekend, Carlton won a game. well, no, that that would be a fantasy. So, in terms <laughs> of you know, you know these Netflix series that um, you know, do you, do you watch Drive to Survive? It's like the fly on the wall, the F one uh, series. Yes, yes, yes. I think that OPEC is ripe for a fly on the wall Netflix series. It's got <laughs> everything that you could possibly want. You know, it's got a bit of Mozart. It's got a bit of you know. The Bedouin thing from the desert, it's got lots of money. You're welcome to whoever wants to pursue that idea. Bernie Eccleston, is he still around? He is. I think he's um, probably 200 years old at the moment. So. The former owner of Queen's yes. Park Rangers. Oh, is that right? Well, yes. yeah, he's um, doing well with coin, uh, Bernie. But anyway, I'm making light, of course, of what was another very important outcome at the weekend, and that was the OPEC and Allied Producers' meeting in Vienna, which was much vaunted and keenly anticipated. Uh, The bottom line is, Ryan, that you've got Saudi Arabia uh, putting their shoulder to to the wheel in terms of cuts. Uh, They're going to bear the burden of that because, obviously, when you ask smaller producers who are struggling economically to cut, that's not conducive to keeping the cartel together, is it? Or it doesn't make for... Nice, warm meetings when they get together for cucumber sandwiches in Vienna. Well, we have seen a lot of
1: disagreements in the lead up to this meeting in Vienna, Tom. So we've heard from the energy minister, not only in Saudi Arabia, but also in Russia. But eventually what we did see on Sunday, as you make mention, is that Saudi Arabia will make an extra one million barrel a day production cut in July. Taking its production to the lowest level for several years after a plunging
0: crude prices, so effectively they're trying to stabilize the crude oil. Stabilize in inverted commas, yes. yes. Uh, so that that takes them down to nine million barrels per day. The interesting thing about that is, for the Saudis, that's about seventy-five percent of what they're capable of producing. So I suppose you know you can accuse them of a lot of things, but they are certainly committed in this context to keeping oil prices elevated uh, and the thing is that this has been smoke and mirrors for the last week because Abdullah aziz bin salman who is the saudi arabian energy minister you know he has said that there wasn't anything planned in terms of cuts but of course they you know they knew well ahead of time so probably unsurprising in some respects that they ended up cutting to the extent that they did well we did
1: see the main winner of the opec plus talks was united arab emirates which gets a boost to its production limit for next year at the expense of some African members. So we have seen, obviously, the continuation of those discussions. Russians, which is the second largest OPEC Plus producer, wasn't required to make any additional cuts this year. But like other members, it's extended its existing curbs by year to the end of 2024. So the Russians and the United Arab Emirates appear to be the winners from this discussion.
0: Indeed. So we saw oil prices up by 2% at the conclusion of US trade. Uh, you would imagine that all prices would be well bid as we kick off the Asian session today. Uh, the other thing worth pointing out, Ryan, is, and this is uh, the, I suppose, the opposing reaction to what you see with these types of agreements with OPEC and allied producers. Uh, there were some pretty sizable moves for US producers on Friday. Exxon and Chevron, for example, were each up by well over 2%. And part of the reason for that is that there have been reports that they are um, connecting uh, with Algerian interests and there are talks that are well advanced to unlock a lot of Algeria's energy uh, potential in terms of natural gas and the like. And this is a very important situation because Algeria has got a very well-developed infrastructure connecting it with European markets. So if something emerges there that is significant uh, in the years ahead, that could make a big impression in terms of that the way that uh, energy security is distributed. And I'm saying that kindly.
1: <laughs> well, it's all about supply and demand at the end yeah. of the day, Tom. And on the back of that, ASX 200 energy shares such as Beach Energy and Santos and Woodside Energy will probably perform
0: quite well today. Okay, so let's quickly wrap up those commodity prices. As I said, we had... uh more than 2% gains for both Brent and NYMEX Light Sweet crude oil. We had Brent up by $1.85 to $76.13 a barrel. NYMEX Light Sweet crude oil was at 71.74 at the conclusion of its session, up by 1.6%. Gold futures slightly easier, down by 1.3%. And iron ore futures ended last week on a pretty solid note with a gain of around 1.8% or $1.83 to $106.33 US per ton, Ryan.
1: The iron ore price rose to a six-week peak on Friday, and that's on the back of news that China is working on a new basket of measures to support the property market after existing policies fail to sustain a rebound in the ailing sector. So iron ore producers today in Australia could perform very well on the back of that.
0: And just quickly, we've got the Aussie dollar trading at around 66 US cents, not vastly changed from where it was on Friday afternoon. Thanks very much for tuning in. Um, Make sure that you have a listen to Stevie and Laura this afternoon with the Comsec Afternoon Market Update. Ryan, thanks for your time this morning. Pleasure, Tom. Good start to the week. Indeed.